Hello, and welcome to episode two of The Modern Manager. This is the second in a two-part series titled The Unintentional Manager. So if you missed last week's episode, at some point you'll want to go back and listen to that one. But you can keep right on going because today we're going to talk about what it means to be a truly awesome rockstar boss, where the people on your team really love working with and for you. So let's get going. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. At the end of the day, I think, or at least I hope, that most people really do want to be a good manager. They want to create a culture for their team where people love coming to work, they love their colleagues and working with their colleagues, and they feel good about their contributions. But of course, that's easier said than done. And even saying it isn't so easy when you try to figure out, really, what are those things I need to be doing as a manager to create that kind of environment? So that's what we're going to talk about today. What are the different characteristics or actions that a great manager takes to create that awesome environment where people love working together? But just a quick heads up that this is going to be an overview. So I'm going to go through the eight different characteristics or activities or actions that great managers do. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll take each one of those and dig into it in its solo episode. So hold on for those. But for now, let's take a look at all of them together. Number one is respect. Now, this might seem kind of obvious, but it's actually a fundamental for many other things that you might do as a boss. If your colleagues don't feel respected by you, it almost doesn't matter what else you do. And it's not just about respect that you are demonstrating, because of course you need to be role modeling that, but also the respect among your colleagues. Are you creating a culture in which people act with respect towards one another? Respect can show up or not show up in some unexpected places. Think about meetings, for example. Who you invite to your meetings, hopefully, is being dictated by the work that you have to do, but that's not always the case. And sometimes people feel disrespected by being left out, or the opposite. They feel like their time is being disrespected when they're invited to meetings that they really shouldn't be at. Respect is also about how you handle diversity on your team. Now let's not talk about diversity with a big D, because that's a whole other topic. But diversity with a little d is more about diversity of ideas and diversity of personality styles or preferences and how people like to do their work. So again, if we go back to a meeting as an example, meetings are really designed for extroverts, for people who like to talk out loud and think through their ideas verbally. It can be really hard for introverts to jump in when they need that internal processing time. So if your meetings are always full of lots of talking and you don't make space for the quieter voices, whether that's because they're introverts or because they're less comfortable because they're more junior members of your team, or they're just people who sit silently and won't speak up on their own, not only are you missing out on all those great ideas, but you also haven't created an environment in which people feel respected enough and maybe comfortable enough to speak up and share their thinking. So one thing that I like to do is either plan ahead of time in my meeting or do it spontaneously if it seems like it's appropriate and pause the conversation and ask people to write their ideas down either on sticky notes or a piece of paper. And by doing this and taking a few minutes for people to write their ideas, you're getting everybody's thinking out on the table. 
And if you don't have time to share all of those ideas in the conversation that comes, at least you can collect all those sticky notes or pieces of paper so you have everyone's thinking. And that little signal of, hey guys, I really do care what your ideas are. I really do want to hear from you, says a lot about whose opinions you value. And it shows the entire team that you want to hear from everyone. The next thing that great managers do is give their team members autonomy. Now, there are all different kinds of autonomy. When you work, where you work from, what work you do, how you do that work, when it gets delivered. Now, every different role and every different employee needs different levels of autonomy. And what matters to me in terms of, you know, maybe I like to work from home might not be so important for somebody else. Or maybe I really want freedom in terms of how I do my work. But for somebody else, they really need detailed instructions and processes to follow. In fact, that would be what a bad or maybe even a toxic boss might do because you're really setting up your colleagues to fail. But autonomy from a good boss is figuring out what does this person value on my team? What kinds of autonomy do they care about? And then what does the role allow for? Is this a role that requires them to be in the office every day or could they work remotely? Does their responsibilities mean that they have to be on the clock from nine to five, or can they work early in the morning or late into the night if that's what they prefer? The key is to find the balance between the kind of autonomy that the person values and the kinds of autonomy that the job allows for. And when you hit that sweet spot, it feels really good. Number three is building an authentic connection with each person. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to be friends with them. But it does mean that you have to find ways to connect to them on a human level. Now, not everybody loves talking about their personal life with their boss, so it's not about that. But it's about understanding what this person values, what motivates them, what excites them, what do they want in their future, what are their career hopes and aspirations. People inherently trust other people who they have some connection to. I mean, think about it when your friend is looking for a job and they ask you to recommend them internally to your company. You've never worked with this person. You only know them in a personal capacity, and yet you somehow believe that they are going to be good at a job, not because you know their skills, but because you know them. It's the same thing on a team. The more you know about your team members, the more you feel you've built connections on that human level, and the more they've built those connections internally amongst themselves, the more trust you're going to have on the team, the more willing people will be to ask for help when they need it and be vulnerable when they're struggling with something. They'll also be more willing to share ideas that aren't fully developed or perspectives that might not be popular. I once had a team member come to me and ask if she could work from home two days a week. After a year of commuting 90 minutes each way, she was ready to say, hey, would it be okay if I work from home twice a week? It would make a huge difference for me and my family. She had a toddler at home. And first off, I was super embarrassed that I hadn't realized that she had such a long commute. That's ridiculous. There was no reason that she needed to wait a year until she approached me. And also, it was a little bit ridiculous that I hadn't figured this out sooner and come to her to say, what do you think about working from home a couple days a week? We already had an international team, so we were very comfortable working remotely. There was no reason she needed to be commuting into the office five days a week. Had I been more aware and attuned to her as an individual and her whole self, I probably would have figured this out much sooner instead of making her go through that horrible commute for an entire year until she felt comfortable and confident to come and talk to me. Next up, appreciation. 
Don Draper has a famous quote, that's what the money's for. But it kind of misses the boat. Yes, we do our work and we get compensated for it, but that's different than feeling appreciated and like your contributions matter. We're going to take a pause from the episode and talk about email. Now, if you've been following some of my other work, you probably know that I've talked about meetings being one of the biggest productivity wasters in business today. And that's because most people don't know how to run effective meetings. But email comes in pretty close number two. Most of us don't have a good system for managing email. If you don't have a system to help you deal with email, you're likely seeing your inbox overflow with new emails or spending way too much time digging through unnecessary emails to find the really important ones. And that's where SaneBox comes in. With just a few clicks, SaneBox magically gets your email under control and filters out all the messages that don't need your focus. It also has some nifty features like Sane Black Hole, where you can vanquish senders you never want to hear from again and sane reminders for sending email reminders to your future self. I love my sane later folder. It allows me to take a quick glance at all of the emails that came in that don't need immediate attention, but that I also don't want to forget about. Leaving my inbox clear for the most important things and my sane later folder for things I can get to later. If you've been meaning to get your inbox organized, now is the perfect time. SaneBox offers a free trial and you don't need to enter your credit card information unless you decide to buy. Go to SaneBox.com slash manager to start your free trial today and get a $25 credit. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash manager. And now let's get back to the episode. Great bosses let their colleagues know that they are an important member of the team, that the work they do is contributing to not only their individual success, but to the entire team's success. Great bosses also know how their colleagues like to be appreciated. There are multiple ways to show appreciation, and a simple thanks might be fine for one person and feel totally inauthentic and lackluster for someone else. I recently learned that some people really need physical appreciation, and for them, something like a handwritten note is the perfect thing. It could be the exact same message that you're sending by email, and it just doesn't mean as much if they read it in an email than if they get to hold a physical note and see your handwriting on it. This was surprising to me because I'm not a big fan of handwritten notes. I usually feel like they're a bit of a waste of time and energy for someone to send to me or give to me. But in fact, that's only my personal perspective. Other people really do value them. They value that you took some extra time to find them a note card, to write out the note by hand and deliver it to them. Now, before you run off and start writing handwritten thank you notes to all your team members, remember this is about creating that form of appreciation that works for each individual. So for some, that might be the thank you note. And for someone else, it might be acknowledging their contributions in front of the entire team at your next team meeting. Next up, is enjoyment and satisfaction with the actual work. This is about the responsibilities and the day-to-day activities that this person is responsible for. As a manager, you're often assigning people work and you really want it to be in that sweet spot where they have enough skill to do the job, but it's also enough of a stretch that it's interesting. Work that is too easy sometimes is great because you're just like, phew, I can just do something easy for once, but it can also feel a bit demoralizing or demotivating. 
And work that is too challenging feels like constant frustration and stress because you're striving so hard and it just feels out of reach. Great managers find a way to match a person's strengths and capabilities with opportunities to use them, but also stretch them. And when this happens, the work feels energizing and enriching, and the person feels really satisfied with what they're doing. A few weeks ago, I was leading a team, and we had just done the project planning task list. And at the end, I asked each person on the team two things. First, what are the things you want to work on? Where do you want to take responsibility on this action plan? And secondly, what are the things that you're interested in participating in from a growth perspective where you want to learn or stretch your skills, but you're maybe not the best at yet? And it was really helpful because everybody went around and we quickly filled up the work plan and saw where there was overlap of interest and where there was nobody who wanted to do something, which helped me then plan better for the next steps. But what's also interesting is that at the end of the meeting, one of the people on the team came over and said, I've never had a manager ask me what I want to work on before. This is so exciting. I'm really excited to do those pieces of work that I identified, and I'm really excited to learn about these other areas which I've never had an opportunity to learn about before. It's that kind of energy that you want from your team members, that great bosses create, that sense of, I can't wait to do this work. Now we're on to communication. No surprise here, managers need to be great communicators. And in many ways, good communication skills are an important piece of life. But as a manager, they're even that much more important. Rockstar managers keep people informed by sharing the right information at the right time. They don't overload their colleagues with too much information. And they also don't hold information so dear and so stingily that people don't know what they need to know and they have to constantly be asking for it. Or they do their work and then they find out later that they did something wrong because no one ever told them. Great communicators in general know how to use different methods of communication to get their point across. So that means that you might need to have a meeting or send an email or talk with somebody one-on-one or chat with them on your Slack channel or whatever app you're using. Not everything needs to be shared one-dimensionally. Great managers figure out what's the best way to get this information across and to the right people. Great managers also communicate clearly what needs to be said. This includes giving direct, actionable feedback or playing the devil's advocate or calling somebody out when they need to be called out. There are times for diplomacy, of course, but great communicators don't sugarcoat things and they don't beat around the bush and they're most definitely not jerks about it. I love Kim Scott's book, Radical Candor. She talks about caring personally and challenging directly, that you have to speak from a place of love and respect, but you also have to speak clearly and say what needs to be said. Next up is investing in your people and believing that learning is part of the job. We learn through failure. We learn through reading books or going to workshops. We learn by gaining new experience. There are lots of ways to learn, and good managers understand that. And when somebody needs to grow their skills, they find ways to help them do it. That might be connecting them to a mentor or securing budget for them to take a class. But whatever it is, when you invest in each individual, you're also investing in the entire team. 
When you see learning as part of the job, you see failure and experimentation as part of the job too. Not failure in a big way, but failure in ways that allow you to grow and develop as an individual. I personally love to find ways to bring learning into the workplace. So a couple things that I have done with my team in the past is host a book club where we pick a book and you can read as much or as little as you want and show up for the conversation and learn from each other. What were our key takeaways? What did you think about this concept or idea? It also reinforces that we can learn from one another. Another thing I've done on this vein is to have lunch and learns where different members of the team present to the rest of the group. And we have done this with a virtual team at a distance, so it is definitely possible no matter what kind of team you have. We've done sessions on design thinking, comedy improv, how the internet works. It doesn't really matter what the topic is. It's a chance for us all to build connection, to learn from one another, to show off our own interests. And as a manager, I get an awesome bang for my buck. First, I get to highlight that learning is important. Second, I get to have individual members show off what they love and feel like their whole self matters to the team. And third, we get to have some fun together. We get to know each other in a new way. And when you do those two things, it starts to build more trust. Lastly, awesome, rockstar, incredible, amazing managers put their team first. This might be the hardest of all of them because it means adapting your own behavior to what your team needs. You may like micromanaging. That might be your personal preference. But if your colleagues don't need it, you have to walk that back. Or the converse might be true. You might be someone who gives so much autonomy and just says, here's the goal, go run with it. But that's not what your team members need. They need you to be more explicit. They need you to sit down with them and walk through the steps in the process. To do these things effectively, it means we have to be self-reflective. We have to grow and stretch ourselves as managers. We have to be on our own ongoing learning journey. My job as a manager is to set my team up for success. So when I'm working with someone, I ask myself, did I do what I needed to give this person everything they needed to be successful? All right, we made it through the eight characteristics or things that awesome managers do. Here's a quick recap. Great managers demonstrate and cultivate a sense of respect among the entire team. They provide the appropriate levels and types of autonomy. They develop an authentic connection with each team member. They show the right kinds of appreciation. They help match their members with the right work so that each person can take joy and find satisfaction in things that they do. They are clear, constant communicators. They invest in their team members' growth and make learning part of the job. And lastly, they put the team first and invest in themselves growing as a manager. Being a rock star boss with a thriving team is not easy. Some of the things I talked about you might find come really naturally for you, and other things might feel like a total stretch. I know for myself, I am definitely on this journey, and I'm glad that you're on this journey with me because we can all be better managers. So for your next step, 
Download the worksheet on my website. It's at mamieks.com slash podcast dash zero zero two. This worksheet will help you do some reflection and give you some ideas of activities that you can do to start being better at these eight dimensions of rockstar managers. If you subscribe to the podcast through my newsletter, you should get this worksheet in your email. That wraps us up for today. Stay tuned for next week when we'll be talking about respect. You might be surprised about the actions or inactions you're taking and how that creates or doesn't create a culture of respect on your team. Until next time. Thanks again to our sponsor, SaneBox. With just a few clicks, SaneBox automatically gets your email under control and filters out all the messages that don't need your focus. See how SaneBox can magically remove distractions from your inbox with a free two-week trial. Visit SaneBox.com manager today to start your free trial and get a $25 credit. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X.com manager. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rockstar boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Oh,